Dear Lord God, we're grateful for this few days. Um, we get to pay attention to who we are, what role you placed uh, these women in uh, to serve you and your kingdom. We'd ask that we would understand and rejoice in what it is. In your son's name, amen. Well, like I mentioned, the first three uh, evenings are on who you are. And as I was putting this together, I don't know how many years ago, uh, the first Dow uh, seminar went on, but um, I didn't want to approach it by the normal uh, verses about godly womanhood or something like that. You know, we'll be covering Proverbs 31 tomorrow night, but you know, hopefully with a, a, um, an aggressive approach to it. But I wanted to spot things in the scriptures that were not handled in terms of what benefit they are to women. And sometimes, what is the expressed lack in Christian women that men tell me is an expressed lack? And where would I go in the scriptures to find the edification necessary to encourage the saints to fix it? The uh, first evening, St. Sophia and the Adventurous, almost sounds like a novel, a romance novel, with Fabio on the cover. Um, St. Sophia and the Adventurous. Um, it's covering essentially the first nine chapters of Proverbs. The first nine chapters of Proverbs, before you get into the Proverbs proper, where it's just don't co-sign a check, things like that, one after another. Um, Solomon has gone to great length to create a thematically connected um, instruction to his son. And it is, it's very nicely structured on two women, essentially. And you know how in the real life, I was in the Navy, and uh, you name, ships are, are women. She, you speak of women in a female pronoun, which doesn't always work well for you when it's the Titanic or the broadsides, old ironsides, something like that. You know, that doesn't, isn't always complimentary that such is a woman. Um, and it's not complimentary here that the analogy being brought up, folly, is a woman. But thankfully, Solomon, it's, you might feel there's some misogynistic portions of the scriptures, um, and we're, we're going to look at those too and have a good time with them, but, but here... Solomon has raised up wisdom as a woman, Saint Sophia, or Sophia uh, being the name wisdom, and the adventurous, who is, you know, a trollop, a wench, um, a bad girl. And what this piece of advice is, that he juxtaposes, you follow this through the nine chapters, you'll see he, he parallels their behavior, how they approach a man how they approach a man, and what the man ought to be picking. He ought to be picking wisdom over folly. He ought to be picking that goodness and righteousness over this, uh, generally, the sexual indiscretion. Um, I will try, for the sake of delicately nurtured cheeks, not to be mantled with the blush, to, when I speak of more nitty-gritty things, to keep it not so nitty-gritty, because there are some young ladies here, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to slop over into that at some point, so we just be, I'll, I'll try to behave. Um, the, the idea that, the, and, and that's what we sort of structured both this lecture, 
And all of the seminars we do are called Seven Pillar Seminars, seminars because of this section of scripture where it talks about Sophia's wisdom raising or building her house of seven pillars. And so the idea, and we're going to get to a little bit later this uh, evening, the idea that um, uh, everything we approach, we try to approach with this kind of, uh, this kind of um, thread behind it. So in the beginning, we're going to have the, the sides of the pages here have the Proverbs sections of those nine chapters. And um, what I'm trying to say this evening is a young man is being enjoined to pick up wisdom. If he's going to pick up some girl, pick up wisdom. You're not going to, there's going to be opportunities to pick up a bad girl, but don't pick up the bad girl, pick up wisdom. Now, it's not telling him to pick up you, okay? But in his life, you are going to be wife number two to his first wife, Sophia. If you get a wise man, he will have picked up Sophia as wife number one. He will have gone after her rather than gone after some bad girl. You're coming in to his harem as this second wife who, if you ever thought about what it was like for Jacob being married to Leah and Rachel and how they didn't necessarily get along, you want to get along with the first wife. And the first wife is wise. The first wife is wisdom herself. The first wife is, he is devoting himself, if you're marrying a good man, which I trust you want to, if you're marrying a good man, he has devoted himself to the wisdom of God. You're either going to come in like a train wreck, or you're going to come in someone who has tried to take on the qualities that wisdom is described with here, because you are truly an asset at that point. Women don't like the idea of the biblical uh, hierarchy, because they say, well, it makes me sound like a doormat or, or whatever. Yeah, if, 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 you, if you're a fool, you are a doormat. If you're not wise, you'll be a doormat. Men are looking for expanding their empires. They would like to have a prime minister, thank you very much. They don't want a peasant. If you come in as a peasant, yeah, you'll be a peasant. But if you come in like Daniel or Joseph, wise and understanding, the king wants you. The, the, the man of the house wants you to be advising him at his right hand. Um, wisdom is a... Um, Something that if you stop to say, I'm going to make my life a incarnation, uh, that means enfleshment of this agent, Sophia. I am going to be Saint Sophia walking. Uh, I'm going to be um, guiding my life by what she is like. It will save you a lot of bad boyfriends because... If you start thinking like wisdom thinks, wisdom not just is becoming wise herself or a girl who's going after it, but is eliminating or dealing with fools in the world. Most men are fools. Most men think that you're just there to look good and please them sexually. And they treat you that, that way. But that, that whole process in their mind is folly on the male side. That's how men get into folly. Women get into folly by thinking that's the rules of the game, that they've got to provide that or look like that. 
But wisdom, you see here in chapter 1, I have it in bold, uh, verse 24, because I have called and you refused to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, and you have ignored all my counsel and have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I tell a lot of young ladies that the train wrecks that some young men can get themselves into romantically is comedy. It's just good comedy. Wisdom laughs at the folly that doesn't listen to her. Somebody's coming along and get, you, you see it in TV shows with the guy giving the bad line in the bar trying to, you know, um, get someplace with the young lady. It's got comic value at that level. But, but even the way the world system is structured about relationships is um, once a woman is wise, she begins to see that this ditch the guy drove his life into is just something she's going to laugh at. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when panic strikes you. What a, an unwise girl does is she sees the tragedy-ridden guy and the guy uses that as leverage to get her maternal, her Florence Nightingale moment. She, she wants to fix his owie, you know. Yeah, he's, he's really good. He doesn't have a job right now. and he, uh, he stopped school right about now. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's really got some talent in, in graffiti. <laughs> yeah, women are idiots. And, and when they don't choose wisdom. The, the passage is asking the man to choose wisdom. I'm asking you to become like wisdom. You make the choice so that you don't that you're the, the image on earth of her, and that you are also protected in the same way wisdom walks through this world, for the same reasons that um, wisdom walks through the world. It says that in verse 16 of chapter 2, you will be saved from the loose woman, from the adventurous, with her smooth words. Wisdom keeps a man from loose Women, the folly, the, 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 the calamity of relationships. Um, this is where kind of a, a key point, you know, I like that women care about their looks. I like that. Men appreciate it. You know, we meet together in regular meetings every week, all the men in town, in a secret location, you don't know where it is, and we go, yeah, they've been doing well, thank you very much, and we put a little mark on a board, we vote how well the women are doing. We like that. But, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. A beautiful woman without discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. We know that that's just a decorative aspect. The fools, of course, think it's who you are. They project. They say, if you look hot, you must be hot. If you look like we would love you, you must love us. You know, that sort of uh, projected projection nonsense. Um, so although that, that everybody in the whole society measures things on looks and all and fashion and the rest, um, I want it, uh, just as a representative of the male, uh, I want to let you know that we would much rather have wisdom. Now, we don't always know that. Men, would, if you ask them on the street, would you rather have, you know, name some hottie, you know, that you think is good-looking. And, you know, just a regular gal who is wise as the day is long. Guy might not know, oh, I think I would like the hottie. Because we, we're posturing uh, uh, 
about our, uh, uh, what we think our desires are. And many men think that physicality is their desire and beauty is their desire. But in reality, you will find out that every trophy wife that marries is, gets divorced in a couple of years. Uh, women that are gorgeous and uh, uh, some rich guy is able to marry them, they're not, that's not a happy marriage. The guy knows he's not happy. Because what is he trying to do by marrying uh, such a biological honey? He thinks that pleasure, he thinks that pleasure is happiness, is a, is a quantity of happiness. It's a quantity of pleasure, and I don't doubt he will be happy in that moment. But pleasure, like all things of such nature, are, is fleeting. And if the pleasure came on through evil or folly or anything else, the hangover and the inability to sustain the happy because you cannot sustain the pleasure, is, takes, takes the wind out of a guy's sails. He really wants peace. Okay? He thinks, that a foolish man thinks, well, if I sleep with enough girls, in quick enough and rapid enough succession, without being forced to marry any of them, I will be happy. Like the person who wants to eat onion rings all the time, you know. If I just have this pleasure, all the eating, you know, canned icing out of the on a spoon, you think, well, that tastes good. That tastes good. You can't sustain pleasure long enough to create true happiness because we live in a world where we the the, the sun comes up in the morning, and what wisdom did and what folly did to us is um, is distinct. Now the distinction is. Um, between pleasure and wisdom. The loose woman, Folly, the adventurous, she provides pleasure. Believe me. We get to that in some of the Proverbs here. She has a lot of promise. She, you, and you can grant that. Just say, okay, let's just say she's really hot. And say she pays up in that kind of hotness. And say the guy really had his brain scrambled by this girl's uh, pleasurable qualities. The distinction is the briefness of the pleasure. It says here in chapter 3 of Proverbs on page 3, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gets understanding. Down in verse 17, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Because we want happiness strung together into a, a thread of some fabric of life that you hold up and go, I'm having a good time in my life. This, it's not just, you can't have a birthday party every day. Right? If you have to have a, something that will give you lots of pleasure every single day, you're going to get worn out and you're going to realize that there's, that's no way to arrange a life. Now is it? Wisdom arranges life. Wisdom makes peace because wisdom straightens out what's bent. It brings straight to the crooked. It brings order to the disorder, and all peace stems from order. I've said this countless times, so I don't know who of you have heard it before, but all, all peace comes from order, and the kind of peace comes from the kind of order. So if I have military order, I get military peace. If I have domestic order, I get domestic peace. If I have spiritual order, I have spiritual peace. 
because it, the order puts me at ease, at rest, in tranquility regarding the subject I just ordered. Pleasure does not have the power to arrange anything. Pleasure is just a sensation. It's a positive one. It's better than pain. But for arrangements purposes, to string it together to pick pleasurable moment A, which is good to have because God gave us these pleasures, and string it together with tomorrow. What's tomorrow? Seduce another woman at the bar? Or what? What would I possibly do? I have to start arranging. And if I start arranging, I'm going to need some philosophy, some guide to my arrangement. Now, you can have pleasure in awfully chaotic moments. And sometimes people feed that chaos, that drama. I don't know if you're the kind of woman that creates drama in a relationship. Please, if you are, meet me out back and put a bullet in you. Because I think I'd be doing a favor to all the men if we just got rid of all the drama queens. But let's say you're, you're just considering being a drama queen. Don't go there. I won't shoot you. Um, but a woman can provide, if, if a woman is coming into your life with, with chaos and pleasure rather than with peace and pleasure, with, which means it's rested in wisdom, it's developed as, a, as, a, as an idea, I know what and why I'm doing something, not just reacting to my urges, whatever the urges are. We see it badly enough in men Right? How men, you just put a pretty girl on the billboard and they'll buy the whiskey. You know, they just, uh, okay, that's a, I'll buy a Toyota now because she was really pretty. That's how we function. And I think women probably have a certain degree of things that make them decide to do something, buy a pair of shoes, have no reason to exist in your life. Because they have the pleasures that are involved. We, but wisdom guides you. Wisdom guides you into a path of peace. They are called happy, verse 18. Those who hold her fast are called happy. And it's not just merely I'm recommending wisdom because wisdom makes God like you. You know, that's true. God is advising you to be wise. But it also is a reward to you. You know, we're obviously shuffling around the potential of how you would relate to a man in your life what kind of man you would relate to in your life, but also the things in your life that are connected to it, you know, professionally, you and, and your income, you and your um, health, you and your honor, how you're viewed. A wise woman is always viewed with honor. She's going to get ahead in the business world. She's going to, um, it, it affects everybody the same way. What does it say in Ecclesiastes, it's better to be a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king. It's um, because it really does. Even if you were stated, if you say, well, what if I didn't get wealthy? What if I just, you know, didn't ever want those kind of jobs? Well, wisdom brings order to whatever circumstance it's in. And if you and your husband are living in a double wide on Kraft macaroni and cheese, the pattern of life, the arrangement of that life brings peace to that life. The arrangement of the life makes that life a good life. 
whether you're working at a gas station or working at a convenience store or working, you know, my, my oldest uh, works at the Condé Nast building on Times Square. Every morning he walks in with his coffee and there are supermodels walking by him. The address is 4 Times Square. Okay, well, he's not at the top of the building, but he's at the 48th floor, I think. But he can be happy. Not because he is working in a good job, but because he's wise. Because if you were living in Wook, Iowa, the poor and wise youth is in a better state than the rich and foolish king. You get these good things. Um, men do not like, you've heard the comedians probably speak of women like this, high maintenance. Um, ever hear a woman referred to as hell on wheels? Um, you know, there, there's just all sorts of ways that we have, in these special meetings we have twice a month, um, secret meetings. Um, that we don't understand. We as men, now I have a seminar for men that we tried to discuss some of these things as well a few months ago, a couple months ago, but we don't understand you very well because most guys don't have the data. I have lived with women for the last 30 years, okay? I am calloused and inured to it and I've been observing. Uh, talk it over with my wife. Some of the rest of you who lived with me have been both objects of my um, descriptions and beneficial uh, commenta uh, commentators on it. Um, men don't generally understand women. Don't make it harder. Okay? Because a man might not understand how you would think or what kind of path, but you need to be on a path of thought. You need to not just be bouncing from you know, one entertaining idea to another. Your husband wants to have wisdom in his life. If he's following God in this, if he's taking Solomon's advice, I'm going to seek wisdom. Honey, you on? And he, she's, you know, diddling about in the latest uh, Christian nonsense book out of the local Christian bookstore. When it says that this kind of thing is better than riches and you have to ask yourself if I give the guy I'm interested in a choice between me or a hundred thousand dollars what's it going to be? I mean you really had the cash dollars hundred thousand or me Now, I'm sure we could reverse that, and I'm sure the guy's ego could stand being judged a little bit that way, certainly. But wisdom makes you valuable. You know how beauty is. A beauty is vain. Charm is deceitful. You know that no matter how you live, and no matter how much you dip your face in retinol cream, um, <laughs> it's going to fall off your face. Your skin is going to hang like saddlebags around your ears. And... Uh, it's going to be sad. Um, I'll draw you a picture if you need an artist. I can draw these things. Um, she has pictures. We, we vow to pay your bills the rest of your life. Okay? 
that's when you stand up before a vicar and say, I do. And you look at her, you're kind of smoked, and she's in that white dress, and, and it's all well and good. And then those saddlebags come on, you know, in about four years. And uh, I'm talking the ones up here, not the ones down here. But he's, he vowed to do this. Are you valuable? Because the rest of us fades, the rest of us rots, we die. What you contribute, do you grow in the grace of wisdom? And wisdom is not, wisdom is a very, how the value of it is, is uh, remarkable. Men are envied by other men for wise wives. Certainly they look at a guy with a trophy wife and say, ah, she must be hot in the sack. Uh, yeah, we envy that. But we also know that those sort of assessments are just holding well, animalistic assessments. That's all they are. But for the humane man, even non-Christians, humane people, anyone who sees that anything civilized is going to have to be ordered, sees a man who has a home that he shares with an ordered woman. That she has brought herself. Not that he has, you know, whipped her into shape, but that she has taken this on. This is the advice in many places in the scripture when it tells us about our sexual selves is to us, not to the person who is influencing you. They're not told you how to make your husband better. It told you how to be better. And it tells the husbands how to be better. It doesn't tell the husbands how to make the wives better. It tells you because you are having a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God that is supposed to be your exchange of submission with Him and what you're gaining. You can't force these things um, idea-wise into a person from the outside. Um, I mentioned uh, already that you need to get along with Sophia when you enter a man's life who has um, married her already. And you have to give up the notion, not entirely, but you have to give up the notion that his desire for you, say you've ratcheted it up and you've spent some time thinking about life and spent some time whipping yourself into shape um, academically, not academically, a wisdom one. He's not there just so that you will be pleased. You are becoming wise as an asset to him. Wisdom is an asset to him. That's why she's recommended to him. That's what, again, I'm recommending to you, that you are designing someone who um, honors him. Because that's what wisdom does for him. You see the verse over here, uh, verse 8. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a fair garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. That makes Sophia very valuable to the man who sees his honor because men usually say they want sex and a sandwich. That's not entirely true. We could do without the sandwich. But we want sex and honor that's that's what men thrive on okay one can destroy the other but wisdom gets guarded by 
it says, keep hold of instruction, verse 13, do not let go, guard her, for she is your life. Men, when, when this force comes into them, either from this uh, agent of wisdom from the hand of God, or in the wife that represents wisdom in his life, if it comes back, redounds to honor him, he then guards the presence. And it's one of the, the, the presence of those agents. He, he protects what wisdom does. Um, as I've thought about it over the years, I've been married 34 years this summer. And as I've thought about it, you realize that, that all sorts of assaults can come out of marriage, uh, either in terms of attitudes inside the home or... or uh, and what Leslie and I have labored toward is trying to be as wise as it is humanly possible to be for the Wilsons. And the, the thing you, you do not... I was sitting in the front yard with my son, uh, my youngest, um, yesterday. We're smoking cigars, and uh, he said, I can't believe how good my life is. I, I, he said, I, I can't believe how good God has been to me in giving me a life in this situation, that people in the world, you know, in the next door neighbor's house can be fighting, can be the, the sin that is around you. Begin to realize how much evil and folly would cost you. You never want to give up the benefit of truly true wisdom. If you become that incarnation of Sophia, you, you, ha you have that, you might say, guarded value, something that men desperately want to keep, because remember, they desperately, they think they want pleasure, but they can't sustain it into a life of happiness and peace. So, you provide that, you become this super valuable thing. Um, wisdom up against folly. I mean, folly's got some real power. Because it, it signals that the basic distinction in life, if you're saying, what, does, what is the adventurous after? The adventurous is after the high-octane pleasures like sex and food and other things like that, power, uh, that can, uh, uh, just by their very volume, say very loud things and demand our attention as men. Um, It pretends it has no cost. That's how the world is functioning about all these sins. You notice how every, every movie, every TV show, if there's a romance, they will sleep together. If they have a romance, they will sleep together. It's what you do. You sleep together. Even if there's not a romance, you'll sleep together, then you'll fall in love. But you'll sleep together. Because they say there's no cost to this. What's it say? The lips of a loose woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil, and in the end she is as bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to Sheol, and she does not take heed to the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. The thing you have to ask yourself regarding wisdom, you say, oh, yeah, go, yes, wisdom. Sounds good. Who's going to say, you know, I'm going to have you raise your hand. Okay, who's for folly here? No hands. Who's for wisdom? And all the girls go, yay, we're for wisdom. Now what? The problem, part of the fool, 
part of the fool is they don't know where they are. They don't even know they're lost. They don't know what they're wandering down. I've been in a lot of debates with people who have fought God in various ways, and you say things to them, and it's like they never realized that a thought could so suddenly illuminate where they stood and, and how wrong they were. They actually panic sometimes. Or they'll just say, oh, it's just a word game. You know, it's just, uh, they're, they're tricking me. They are professionally lost. Consequently, if I flip that, the wise are perpetually found or perpetually located. They know where they stand. Their GPS of life and all things works. Do you know where you're going and how you're getting there and by what means? Who is filling your tank with gas? What are you going to stop for gas? All the things you would plan for a trip. Don't just think that I can show, yes, I, I commit myself to wisdom. Well, now I gotta go find the map. Now I gotta find okay, what 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 wisdom, what stuff, what guidance, what understanding. We're gonna cover some of that later this week. Um, we are uh, we're gonna bring that into a man's life. I, I'm grateful for my wife. Uh, in many ways, because a lot of things that sometimes, because I just wander off into sort of esoterica, she makes sure that the world gets up in the morning. I think the sun checks in with her first, and then once Apollo has the approval, the yeah, immaculate Mrs. Wilson, um, it comes up. So consequently, I have a very ordered existence. Um, so there's a um, I feel the, the benefit that I want to have you guys take into somebody's life. I feel the benefit every day. Now, it's uh, consequently the delight, and I'm speaking, I'm testifying, the delight one takes, it talks about here in chapter Proverbs 5, uh, directly, not about Sophia, but about your physical wife. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water to the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely hind, a graceful doe. Let her affection fill you at all times with delight. Be infatuated always with her love. So how's that? That's the instruction to the God. He is supposed to work toward that. A man in marriage is trying to govern the marrying of him and his spouse. That's both on the spiritual, emotional, financial, physical levels. He is trying to marry these two people. That's his task as a governor. And your task is to not be throwing out, you know, what are they called? Tiger traps or, or uh, passive-aggressive behavior or whatever it is that you're using instead of wisdom. You're not supposed to be doing that. You're, you're supposed to be infatuatable. I don't think that's a word, but it can be tonight. And that you're infatuatable. It's a... Um, 
I'm a bit of a, uh, uh, you might say, a, uh, what's the word, a, a re realist? Yeah, that's it. I'm a realist. And, um, and I'm rational, I think. And um, I don't suggest, I think that love, romantic love, and uh, the things that occur in the fondnesses of marriage are very easy to define. They're not, it's not rocket science. Do you have a question? No, I'm sorry. I'm just, just dangling, a, writing too hard. Sorry. Um, it, was, so it was a half question. It was like here. <laughs> um, that that we, don't, we don't want to have our task of being infatuated with our wives be guided by the kind of stuff that's in a woman's romance novel that we have to somehow create a romantic moment. And women, you do this instead of going, you know, I'm going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread in his life. That's easy to be infatuated with. But no, you're going to drop hints that he ought to get you flowers. You're going you're to drop hints that perhaps the ring ought to be at least one quarter of his annual salary. <laughs> Literally, that's what in the city is suggested. I think it, it was, right? Two I think my, my annual, annual salary. That was two months. Two months salary? Oh, that's yeah. better. One sixth. <laughs> One sixth of your annual salary. You can spend it. And, and women think that they, they can only create a series of events. Men just want the sexual events. That's their pleasure. Women want to feel the romance of the moment, so they try to keep the romance alive by these in romance instructions. And the guy, he doesn't know. He's being told to feel that way. And instead of having you be wonderful in his life, he's got a series of tasks he has to accomplish. He's got to go slay a few dragons to make you feel... <laughs> and... and are you the thing that he wants? You want him to want you? Be the wanted thing. Too many women think that when I would say something like that, that I've got to get implants, I've got to get uh, my hair always done, I've always got to be a certain pounds within a certain range. They, they think because the foolish world is assessing women by their beauty, just saying you ought to be attractive to your husband's desire to be infatuated with you, people interpret it that way. The men do, the women do. And so everybody spends their time running around playing the world's game about relationships. It's great that God made you good looking. It's great that we like it. But it's, it's just an artistic benefit. It's aesthetics. It's not love. It's having a pretty painting and good architecture. That's all a pretty, pretty woman is. Because her soul is the same as a plain woman's and an ugly woman's. And they're either wise or they're not. We should, if we're told to go be infatuated with our wives, the wives of our youth, and to stay away from the foolish adventurous, I'm suggesting to you that what a man really wants, you could easily be and not have to worry about telling him to play romance with you. 
says in Proverbs 6, 23, <clears throat> For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life, to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adventurous. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, and do not let her, I love this phrase, capture you with her eyelashes. <laughs> Didn't even know that verse was in the Bible, did you? Capture you with her eyelashes. So instead of having the men be able to turn away from the very beauty or eyelash question, the Christian wife tries to get enough eyelash training that she can hold her husband at home by her eyelash training. Or her, or her beauty. There will always be more beautiful women than you. I'm telling you now. My wife, who has aged really well, is a what? Eight? Am I giving you my, my age? No, you're giving me oh, your rating. Once, once ten. We were coming in at eight. Seven. Good lighting, eight five. <laughs> because I've seen women in the movies. I've seen them on TV. They're amazing. And there's nobody here anywhere close. Okay? I'm not going to tell how you rate next to my wife. But some honest guy is going to do it for you sometime. And he's going to say, I really think you're pretty. Seven, seven, five. And if you say, how am I ever going to keep him at home? He's... He's going to say, because of who you are. Remember, we want all women. Okay? We want them all. We pick one. They're all, they all got the plumbing. They've all got the potential beauty. And so, what do I, what am I going to base the decision on? Well, one, the fool would go after, oh, she's beautiful for me right now, then dump her when she dries up, and then grab another beautiful one, and grab another beautiful one. He's a fool. But the godly man is not letting himself get captured by eyelashes. And he's going to... He's going to be assessing you with the kind of respect you would like to have. You don't you always say that to your girlfriends? Oh, I wish they would think of me as a... Don't just look at me as a piece of meat. I would wish I was respect me and, well, you know, try one first, being respectable, being something, an article of quality. You don't get respect just because you put your hands on your hips and you tap your little foot and, and you're not going to go out with him unless he respects you. That did, what's that going to do? He'll lie to you. Yes, I respect you, honey. Be something. Develop into that thing that's called wisdom. On chapter, on chapter, page five. The nice thing about the wise woman, it is not ever the other woman. Wisdom doesn't allow it. Wisdom is never, you will never catch your husband in flagrante delicto with Sophia, because she doesn't go there. You're not the other um, you're not the problem that the adventurous causes. God warns us in Thessalonians about how to take a wife for ourselves as befits godliness and not to wrong one's brother in this matter. 
because God is an avenger of all these things. As we solemnly forewarned you, that's serious business, but we want, we, we, we sometimes go into marriage sometimes thinking, I think legitimately, a lot about how I'm going to keep this together. The non-Christians think, okay, what we'll do is you'll give me a really big ring, that'll do it, plus the biggest church, and we'll spend $10,000 on the reception. The dress will cost, you know, will break my father. You know, that's, if I, that's obviously what keeps it together. And if we use the Book of Common Prayer, it'll last even longer. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing what people think the magic, the, the rabbit's foot, the dead chicken, they can swing over their marriage rights and think what they're trying to do is get security. The adventurous, the foolish woman, the woman who is basing it all on pleasure, basing it all on her beauty and on her eyelashes and her ability to slaughter you like an ox, that... Um, that's what causes the problem. That's where the jealous husband comes in. That's where, you know, it says there at the end of six, wounds and dishonor he will get and this disgrace will not be wiped away for jealousy makes a man furious and he will not spare when he takes revenge. That's what happens. Where did you just read? That's the top of five, verse 33 of Proverbs 6. Right. Up there. That's, but, but wisdom never takes you there. It's amazing if you say, well, if I knew all the situations where sin came on in a relationship, would wisdom have... I mean, a, a subset of your Christian life. Sometimes we just want to get all pious and think, if Christianity, if, if just I have enough Bibles around the house, and, and if I make my husband read Bible with me, and, and we pray together, and, you know, it's the wisdom that is the processing Okay, you can't process anything. You can't just dangle Bibles in front of things and the, and the bad people go away. It's not like vampires. The necessity of having a rational frame of mind. You have to know what you're doing with your head. So when a Bible verse comes out in front of you, you know how to deal with it. What does it say? Do I believe what it says? Am I going to do what it says? How does this fit with the other things I know it says? I start to process. <coughs> go back when you get a chance to go back through these nine chapters and start to realize how could, what would that do? What is it seem to be doing actually. Remember, we can't just volunteer and say, I'm on Wisdom's side. i got to know what to do. I, I need to know what the map is. I need to know what the benefit of the map is. I need to know um, uh, what the uh, the right word just disappeared from my mind. I need to know what the right word was. That was the the wise woman has to understand that it's not Bible memory verses, it's not theological constructs that your husband told you, because, you, you know, it talks about why I'm submitting to your husbands. You can't submit your ideas. An idea can't submit. Ideas must be convinced. Okay? No, I'm, I'm a misogynist with the worst of them. I'm going to say some awful things this week. 
but I think that a wife cannot be commanded to think something. Okay? Can't be done. Unless she's some servile wretch who has no thoughts of her own, and you can just tell her that. And she goes, yes, honey. Stepford wife sort of thing. Wisdom knows that there was a process to the idea. Okay? There was a, there was a procedure you went through. You didn't just like it. You know how women can get, you ever been in these conversations? I trust because you're all here, you're not these kind of women. But sometimes you get together with women and they start saying it just saccharine, awful things, bad things. And you go, that's just not true. You're saying awfully untrue things, but because it sounds so loopy and friendly and, and you know, little hearts over your eyes sort of uh, quality, that women like it. Don't be that way. If you're a wise woman, you understand the process. You understand the passages in front of you, the Word of God in front of you, your conversations with your husband and your friends in front of you, and you know what you do. It's a straightening effect. It takes the bent things in the world and goes, oh, and this is how we fix it. Side benefit to wisdom and you becoming wise Point of contact of, uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a rank calumny heaped on women that they are irrational. They just don't like being rational. They are, they, they're, they're intelligent. A lot of times, they, sociologically, they don't like it. Or they have barriers against it. I have a philosophy club, a men's philosophy club, that meets every Saturday morning for 32 years in my library. Women have asked me over the years, why don't the women have something like that? I said, they could have something like that, sure. Knock yourselves out. But sociologically, women have a hard time relating to each other in philosophic debate. It doesn't, it doesn't stay pretty. It, it becomes feelings get hurt. Uh, the sociology of, gets in the way of being a, a, a wise woman. And sometimes wise women have to go, I'm going to step back from my sex a little bit here. And because uh, I know how they're behaving, and I still want to be wise. And if I have to give up some of that nonsense, I will. It's worth it. You will be happier, and you'll have a better friend in your husband. He will like being with you. I like being with my wife. I go shopping, shoe shopping, with my wife. <laughs> now, I don't like shoe shopping. I like being with my wife. And I like talking over shoes with her, and home improvement, and anything else. I like going places with her. Now, I have guy friends, too, that I could do that stuff with, but the shoes, but Home Depot, maybe. Um, but it will draw you, oh, certainly, friendship is when two people are, Lewis talks about this in his Four Loves, two people are standing next to each other looking at the same thing. They're not, fo lovers focus on each other. Friends focus on the thing that they both care for. And when a wife becomes, or a woman becomes wise, she becomes, physically she's your lover, okay? Because she's a woman, she's the desirable thing sexually. But, but in your life as a wise woman, she becomes a free companion, a compatriot, uh, someone who understands that you can have a long conversation with and enjoy it from top to bottom. Now, there's a desperation in women uh, to be what we call effective. 
women have all these things inside their sociology. Someone was telling us a story yesterday, of, uh, I think it was Chris, uh, about going to prom with his girl he was taking, and he was riding along with his ex-girlfriend and the guy she was taking, and the two of them got into the limo and they were wearing the same dress. Ex-girlfriend. Now, there's a, there are things that women, now, guys go, yeah, they keep talking about things like that, and when that happened, and, and the guys are going, well, uh, all of us guys wear the same thing. <laughs> Every day. Every single day. We show up at a party, we're all in a black suit with a tie. You know, that's, that's it. We don't understand that. Women know that so much rests on them being effective. That's why a girl who's got huge tracts of land wears the dropping neckline so she can bend over more frequently than her friend who doesn't because she wants to be more effective. Shorter skirt, more effective. We want to affect laughing outrageously at late at night at Denny's. All the guys are going, who is this whack job? And, <laughs> but you want to be effective. Girls behave and misbehave for that. They want loudness. That's what happens, what folly happens. Look what it says, uh, uh, verse 11 there, of uh, Proverbs 7. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him. And with impudent face she says to him, bad thing. One of the temptations for you as a woman, because you feel in the company of women, how do I stand out? How do I be effective? How do I... And, and, and you see everybody else getting a little bit more loud and wayward. And the standard for women is Kim Kardashian. And you go, oh my gosh, how can I? And so you either wobble, start to play that game, just a little bit. You're not going to play it that much, but you're going to play it a little bit. You've got to keep up with the pack, at least not fall so far behind that they lap you. Um, or you go into some sort of monastic homeschooled piece of you know, flight from the world, and no one will ever know you exist, you will die in your parents' house. Okay? Now, neither one of those is a good choice. Neither one. But the effectiveness is a temptation to you because you see the women getting... And it says in Timothy, it is well for a man not to touch a woman. That's what it says. Well for a man not to touch a woman. That's what the foolish woman does. She seizes him, she kisses him. All of a sudden, she just hurtled right over that fence. She wants to be effective. She needs to, whatever she's looking for, whatever issues she has, she knows how to get there. And the girls who are looking for training in the world um, can't deny that this is an effective program. Look at what she says. I have decked my couch with coverings, colored spreads of Egyptian linen, I have perfumed my... This girl's a hoe. Okay? She's, she is a prostitute. She is wanton. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. 
He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. I, this could easily be a talk about you know the, the nitty-gritty of, of bad girls and, and how they function and how a good Christian girl shouldn't. Um, but we're trying to talk on, this, on, uh, on the principles, which is this is folly. And it's folly because the temptation of the man to just pursue pleasure, the temptation of the woman to be effective in the most direct and immediate way, conspire to make this bit of seduction. And so they tell themselves at each other and they believe each other's lies and they end up in a calamity because they followed, they followed, uh, they followed pleasure rather than uh, reasons. Now, um, gotta make sure that I. Don't miss something here. We see that having incredible power. Again, famous men get married to beautiful women who are nobodies because they're this kind of woman. I, I'm not gesturing at Diane. I suddenly realized hey, this kind of. Sorry, Anne. I'll start gesturing at my wife. Make her the trollop. Um, the foolish man wants to be happy just like the wise man both of us want to be happy we want to be at peace in our situation um, the foolish man doesn't know that the effects of sin the things that are calamitous about what he's doing it's not merely that pleasure versus arrangement I say inventory the inventory of pleasure versus the arrangement of pleasure um, is, is a distinction that one works better than the other. The inventory of pleasure, the just trying to go after pleasure, either the woman or the man, is bad because it is a sin against God. Not to, that just makes it bad, but it makes it calamitous. It makes it, there's a killing effect of evil. God made the world. He made a certain behavior conspire well with the world. Um, it's a, uh, on the other hand, we say, okay, uh, Evan, okay, we're not going to grab guys on the street and plant one on, okay? We're not going to drench our bed linen in cinnamon. We're not going to, it doesn't sound good to me, but um, we're not those kinds of girls. We wouldn't come here for that. We wouldn't take notes. We wouldn't get cramps for that. Um, so what is a, what's a wise woman to do? The, the, the trollop is a certain way. What's the wise woman to do? You said not the homeschooled throwback, at, you know, off in the, um, you know, away from the world, waiting for someone to dial their way through the church phone book and get your, just accidentally find you. Um, wisdom is loud too. I mean, that's one of the deep things about, about this juxtaposition. The adventurous and Sophia function the same way. They both stand in the marketplace, they both stand in the street corner, and they both yell. 
Does not wisdom call? Is it Proverbs 8 on page 6? Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way, in the paths she takes her stand, beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal? She cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the sons of men. O simple ones, learn prudence. O foolish men, pay a stinking attention. This is the word stinking, not enough. Here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. She's loud. And I don't know if you've ever thought in terms of being loud. Some of you are you know, retiring types. Others of you are you know, full of beans. Um, but we're talking about being loud about the adventuress is loud about her physical charms and what the reward of her physical charms, even though she's married, her husband's out of town, she's got this bent view of the world that's going to end up in calamity. You're going to be loud, but it's not just saying, you know, if you're a Christian at the Christian youth group, you could be loud as you want, as long as you say Jesus every third word. You know, we don't, uh, no, because that's just annoying and that's foolish too. Which are loud about what you represent at high volume. Not saying the volume literally has to be at 11. It's not that, uh, did anybody get the, other, the classical illusion there? My wife is the only one. The volume was at 11. Oh, Lauren, you get it? Bless you. You got it? Okay. Gotta watch that film again. This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> Uh, but I, I digress. Now it's on the CD. Um, not saying the volume literally loud, but the presence of this in your life. What does she have as present in her life? She has noble things in her life. She has what is right in her life. She has truth in her life. We're not trying to encourage you to be a little Bible scholar with all the theologies. Guess what? That's not wisdom. That's information. It only has the possibility of being true. But you've got to be sure it's true. How do you find what's true? It, you're out resolving things very presently in the social moment. Just like the harlot, the, the harlot. Is that a word? The harlot? The harlot. The hoe is going out and grabbing men on the street with her physical charms. You are arresting people's attention by your, your representation of the noble, of the true, and of the right. That's, and you want to be sure that your presence in a social moment always holds that up. That you, you are a of, what's the word? A, um, it's respectable. I was thinking, thinking of the word like, a, like, like amulet, not amulet, like icon of, or an emblem of this kind of civilization. People think of that, they think of you. Your face pops to mind. You're loud about these good things. Loud about good things. Now, I'm not saying other people are going to listen. 
A lot of people don't. Wisdom gets represented. Most of the world is foolish. Most of the men are foolish. But you are, as Christian women, setting aside... Um, you're already set aside to a certain subgroup anyway, right? You want the wise men to know who you are and not have to guess. And not have to guess by your eyelashes. Well, she's got really nice eyes. She must be godly. One of the things I always want to warn when I talk to people about becoming better and wisdom is better and wisdom lifts you up and wisdom, wisdom adorns you, wisdom credits you. Um, this is all in service to God. This is not arrogance. What it says here, verse 13, fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. We don't... Wisdom does not produce conceit. Wisdom does not produce um, the arrogance. It has to be in service. And one of the great ways of thinking of you're thinking of in terms of your lords and your life. Your your path of wisdom is is to make you a good tool for the lords in your life. With God as your lord, at least, and with God as your lord, He would expect you to walk through life wise. It's your service to him. It's not, you know, another way to pat yourself on the back with a certain quality. Um, now, one of the things that happens with wisdom, it says here, by me, by me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. How does that work in? You know any kings? Now that William is married, what are you going to do? Well, there's still that other guy. The other prince. But I hear he's a bad boy. Redhead. Not wise. Gingers are never wise to marry. Any of you uh, gingers here? Oh, you are. <laughs> they are evil creatures. Um, by me, King's Reign. What, what, what's the point? Of, what's the. You ever read a women's romance novel? Anybody? Let's see those hands. Women's romance novel. Okay, honest woman, honest woman, <laughs> honest woman, dishonest lady. Okay, you've read a few. Maybe you've read some that were Christian. classic Christian ones. Or, and one thing you can tell very quickly in the book is who the hero is. Right? Because he's dominant. He's not a tool. He's not weak. And she hates him. And she hates his guts because he's such a leader. Right? <laughs> Just the way she doesn't want to be led, and uh, he might be a doctor in Southwest Australia or a cold Arabian duke somewhere, but he's going to be always, forever, amen, a leader. And I don't, you know, I'm not. I mean, men's novels written by men for men are just as ludicrous, but uh, but they represent what men are into, you know, water rights and guns and explosions. <laughs> There's a woman somewhere on the side as a side plot romance. The, the women's novels are all uh, about the man and the denouement of the man at the end of the book. I mean, it's the man. We want to blow things up. <laughs> but that lets you know that you and your romantic friend, you read those if you do read them, for that vicarious jolt you get. I remember my wife sitting once in the, in the living room reading an old like Victorian 
late Victorian romantic novel called The White Ladies of Worcester. She literally fell out of the chair at a certain point, so <laughs> thrilled by the moment. And you probably have found yourself weeping to fictional characters on a screen. Or maybe weeping reading a book because Mr. Darcy is wonderful. Jane Eyre, I just wanted dead. <laughs> now, grant that. It's lovely about you. I think it's charming. But in your real life, by me, kings rule. This is the nature of dominance. This is what you want a life and a family built on wisdom. You want to be able to look up to your husband, a man who values you and your wisdom, values you and your advice. There is a uh, another quality about wisdom. These are all different sort of aspects in these nine chapters that are introduced to you about wisdom. And in, in, in later part of eight, wisdom says, verse 22, the Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. God made wisdom first. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Because before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. Sophia. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made the firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the sons of men. Now we know from the New Testament that, that all things that were made were made through Jesus Christ. So if you want to include that in there, you say, wisdom is the guide. Reasonableness. Correct adjustment, placement, government. Understanding why. And in the creation, she was there as a product or a thing, as a guide by which God made all things. It, all, it makes her very personified here. I don't know if you actually believe Sophia is someone, you know, it may be a celestial agent, I don't know, it may be just poetry. But whatever the case, these are the things that um, made all that you see. And as you walk through life, not only do men appreciate it when you're wise and not a fool, not only do, do men benefit when you're wise and not a fool, not only do you benefit when you're wise and not a fool, but the reason behind it is the world and all that's in it was made according to her. Okay? It's like finding out that you're working on an English car and you don't have metric. You know, you don't, you have standard imperial uh, uh, wrenches. It's not quite working right. Is this a guy illustration? It might even be a guy. You know how in fabric you're talking about metric yard or metric uh, square? I don't know what you're talking about. Episiotomies, probably. Um, 
when you when you realize that this is the standard, you begin to realize I can't. It's like I don't want to give a, a bad film illusion, but the Matrix. This is the Matrix of the world. Wizard. How could you ever hope to succeed without pursuing it? It says in Proverbs 9, Wisdom has built her house. She has set up her seven pillars. It doesn't tell us what the seven pillars are. I just grabbed the name and used it for the seminars, the seven pillar seminars. And um, it doesn't tell us what they are. You can guess. Doesn't think it really matters. It's just kind of a nice image. Um, she has set up her seven pillars. But what would you? Since it doesn't tell you, what would you build your house on? What, what would you? Have you got anything? Uh, who are you? What are you bringing? Sometimes you'll make up lists about, you know, what kind of guy you want to marry, which is fine. It's good to do. Okay, good to have that. You know, chance favors the prepared mind. But. Um, what would you build the house on? You know, you're the bringing wisdom to the relationship. What are you going to build it on? Um, is it going to look like what no man wants to be in? I had a dear Christian friend who, just lovely Christian lady, not what you call wise. She would decorate the home, you know, with an open Bible and a, and a string of pearls across it, you know. You, you, you look at it, and you look at her, and you look at it, and you go, why? What's the string of pearls for? And she probably had some verse, you know, like a pearls before swine, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> she was not that much of a wiseacre, but... You don't want to have a home, the seven pillars of which are what you picked up at the Christian supply store whatever the current cool, weird, shallow thought is going around Christianity. Christian women who pursue wisdom pursue really deep things, really deep bits of understanding. Um, there is a... Uh, question that comes up with married couples sometimes about the correction that wisdom brings and does a wife ever correct her husband you know the sort of patriarchy you don't you don't ever give any sass to father Abraham um, yeah, obviously it carries all those things as well the, the respect for the for the rank and all that sort of thing, but you listen to a wise man. It says here, reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he'll increase in learning. You do have the benefit in your wisdom as a woman of having an access to your husband's ear on the basis of it. That's an easier path to take reverently than any other path. He can understand your wisdom process if you reverently put it out there. He can understand it. If he was a wise man, he would love you for that. And he's finding himself to be in the wrong in that moment. <laughs> he's like, oh my gosh, it's a 
you said something supported. That's what wisdom would be. It would be supported. And only men who lead with their ego don't want to hear correction. Whoever gives it. Don't want to hear correction, whoever gives it. But a wise man wants to hear correction, whoever gives it, because his value is to be wise. And he just found out he wasn't here and wants to be more. It lets us know, we have a couple passages here. One out of Peter and one out of Timothy. About our admonition as Christians and one specifically about the way women can get. Therefore, gird up your minds, be sober, set your hope fully upon the grace that is coming to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That's what we're advising. Don't be conformed to the passions. I know it might be acceptable girl behavior, but don't be conformed to the passions of former ignorance. Get smart. Get wisdom. If you get anything, get insight. As he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Then on the negative side, this warning out of 2 Timothy, for among them, speaking of false teachers, and sometimes boyfriends end up like this, you know, they, they start to be essentially manipulators who keep you in a state of ignorance. For among them are those who make their way into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and swayed by various impulses who will listen to anybody and can never arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Don't want to be that woman. Susceptible to a cult leader, susceptible to bad men, susceptible because you're impulsive. All of it's impulse. What else is good? If you're not running your life by wisdom, what is running your life? Habit? Uh, what your mom and dad told you? Just authority? Somebody tells you what to do and so you go do it? Or, you're just a passionate person. One more flighty bit of nonsense. But, but because you're cute, everybody accepts it. And yeah, she's really neat because she's pretty. And look how spontaneous she is. And you will listen to anybody. And can never arrive at a knowledge of the truth. I was asking, uh, I was asked by a guy once a few years ago, single guy, you know, a pastor, you know, and, and so he asked me, what kind of doctrine should I be watching out for if I was looking at a wife? What, what kind of things that you need to have agreement on? And uh, I said, well, it's really three things. They have to believe the gospel. <laughs> they have to be converted. Um, that kind of agreement. Two, she has to desire to please God. And three, she has to know where truth comes from. Which doesn't matter if she disagrees with you about anything. If she knows where truth comes from, you can have a discussion about it. <laughs> She's wise enough. She knows that reason, revelation, and reality are truth-bearing concepts. And dealing with a woman, sometimes it's like, there isn't any revelation, there isn't any reason, and there is no reality. <laughs> and it, I don't care how pretty she is. And lastly, you can't pretend to this. 
you say, well, what if Evan is telling the guys we're looking for wise women? How do you, what do guys do? They smoke a pipe. You know, they get a tweed jacket, smoke a pipe, put a little English racing cap. They look wise, okay? They start talking about authors and the things. Uh, pretension is not good, okay? Uh, an adage I will, will cover in a couple of dead nights. Uh, one is not what one wants to pretend to be. So don't try to pretend to be wise. Don't pretend to be on the subjects that wisdom deals with. Don't make up for wisdom by becoming academic and theological. Wisdom is arrangement. Wisdom is, is how you understand life fits together. Remember, God made a universe using her. You're going to be uh, benefited. It's for you. Whoever selects wisdom, whoever selects wisdom, it says that clearly right here in verse 12. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. It's for me. It's for you. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. These are things that register with you in your life immediately, directly. And if you don't do it, the only thing, the only upside is job security for me. Okay? It allows me to stay in business as a pastor because I can talk to you about your problems in 10 years. When you have married the wrong guy, botched your life up, or acted like a fool, drove him away, whatever you did. Because you can't imagine that passion has any sense to it at all. It just feels good. Pleasure just feels good. It was made to feel good. God made it to feel good, not to answer things, nor to give you direction. So, setting this aside, knowing that you're up against a very loud array of foolish women and foolishness in the world, and you see men dropping off like, you know, what's the word? Flies. Flies. Dropping like flies for the sake of these women who in the look so fine, you have to, you know it can't be pretense, you know it can't be, you have to take this on and say, I am, um, I'm redesigning my life, I'm, I'm making me some other way than I was. I, I want to have the kind of friends, or girlfriends that encourage this in me and don't encourage giddy schoolgirl. No offense to the giddy schoolgirl. That you that you uh, that you find your way to wisdom, and uh, it's going to be something you represent loudly. And it's not again. I just want to keep it's it's not becoming passive and dropping back and not being seen. It's being forward about what things are represented by wisdom. Well, that is an hour and a half, a little less than an hour and a half. Announce the seven thirty coffee and scripture reading and prayer time. Uh, those of us who are staying here uh, for the week uh, gather here in the living room at 7.30 in the morning for coffee and prayer and just Bible reading, you know, Bible study. Just, I just read some scriptures out of these um, 
little booklets for each day, Old Testament, New Testament. Then we just make some prayer requests and each pray for things. And we're done in about a half an hour. And we drink coffee. And we drink coffee. Or tea. Or tea.